Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. We absolutely love giving you the show every single day, Monday through Friday, for free. But uh, it's not free to produce. And if you'd like to keep the show on the air, we ask for your support and become an EPP. When you become an EPP, you get more than 23 bonus episodes of the show to listen to. These are exclusive episodes that are only available to our EPPs with some of the best stories we've ever gotten on them. Please help keep Real Ghost Stories online on the air. And become an EPP today, an extra podcast person, on the website realghoststoriesonline.com. It's only five bucks a month. You get all the extras and the knowledge that you're keeping this show going. Please, and thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855 853 4802 or write in at com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Today, a beloved father figure returns to finish some unfinished business via his daughters. A couple decides to brave a night at the infamous Stanley Hotel. What exactly happened during their stay on the second floor? Two sisters recount events of years ago and make an unsettling discovery about their childhood home. And an ailing grandmother visits her grandson in a dream to ask her family's permission to pass away. Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hi. Hi. So Grandma has to uh, go get permission from the grandson to kick it? I, I think it'll make more sense than that when okay. you read it. All right. I'm, I'm interested in hearing that one and also interested in hearing what's going on at the Stanley Hotel. I stayed there once. No ghosts. You stayed the night? Uh, yeah, I stayed the night once. Oh, wow. I stayed the night and uh, I don't know. Just uh, never... I slept okay. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't really have anything spooky. Wandered the halls a bit in the evening hours. And uh, it, I was one of the few guests, I think, in the hotel that night, too. Uh-huh. But uh, what was even creepier uh, was uh, I explored the property a little bit and went over to the carriage house. And by carriage house, you picture a small little building. No, no. It's just like the size of another hotel. Oh. Um, it's like... Uh, it's it's a bigger structure. It's not as big as the Stanley. There's like a ballroom and such in there. I think there might be some rooms in it. I don't know. But uh, the doors are all unlocked. And it's right next to it. It's like a two or three story building as well. And all lights are out. But I decide, I'm going to go in. It's completely dark. You know, you got like cur- big curtains in the windows and everything. Uh-huh. And I uh, went in there in the complete darkness. Just walked like into the middle of the ballroom. I looked around. And it was the perfect setting for a... Uh, something creepy to happen okay. to you. Because um, you could see, like, the lights coming through the window, and it was like a moonlight, you know, but no lights in the building. And, uh, no, nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> but it was indeed creepy. I'll, I'll give you that. I know there's, like, tunnels and stuff underneath that hotel that I believe go from the carriage house to the main building. Okay. Um, and I know there's stuff associated with that, but uh, I don't know all the details. Anyhow, that's my brief experience at the Stanley. You ever want to go back? Yeah, I'd, I'd go back and check it out again. Okay. It's a neat place. Um, yeah, it just, uh, nothing happened, so. 
bring a Ouija board next time and uh, have a lot of a whole, whole bunch of fun. All by yourself. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. We'll kick it off today with Leanne. Leanne writes in, my ex-father-in-law's life here on Earth ended very suddenly on April 1st of 2005. Glenn and I were very close, especially considering that I had uh, divorced his son over 10 years before. He was like a dad to me. He was like a father to my daughter. We loved him so much. As with most sudden deaths, there were some unanswered questions, some unfinished business amongst the family, but nothing major and surely nothing that I was personally concerned about. Early in the morning, December 10th of 2005, I recall the exact date because it was his oldest daughter's birthday, I had a dream. But it was so vivid and real and memorable that I suspected it was much more. In my dream, I was at my high school football field on the visitor's side. The only people in the stadium were Glenn, his family, and me. Everyone was sitting in one long row on the bleachers. I saw Glenn and approached him asking, How are you? I didn't expect to see you here. Glenn replied with his familiar shit-eaten grin, I'm fine, just fine. Would you do me a favor, do a favor for me? Of course I will, I replied curiously. Glenn then started handing me envelopes one at a time and asking me to deliver them to each of his family members. I did as he asked, and as he came to the last one, I was upset to discover that I did not receive an envelope. With his final envelope, which was for his wife, he gave me specific instructions. Give this to Sam, his nickname for her. Tell her that her change is in the envelope and that I didn't forget the big celebration. As I started to walk around, my ex-mother-in-law, Glenn, stopped me. Oh, I almost forgot. He uh, chuckled as I turned back towards him with disappointed tears beginning to fill my eyes. Still, no letter from me. I have one last message. Thank you for being my messenger. He winked at me and turned to deliver the final envelope. But I got to Sally, Sam, as I was wide awake and perplexed by what I had just experienced. I've always wanted to believe in life after death, but considered myself an open-minded skeptic. However, I had never experienced anything so amazing. I wanted to call Sally and give her the messages immediately, but instead I called her two daughters. Should I tell your mom? I asked Sue. Sue didn't think it would be a good idea since her mom seemed to be having a difficult time with Glenn's death. It was so close to Christmas, a very important holiday in the family, and Glenn had always played Santa. It was the first Christmas without Glenn. I agreed that I should keep quiet. Then I called Molly to get her opinion. To my elated surprise, Molly had a dream the very same night that I did, and she also had a message for her mother. Wow, I was a little freaked out, and so was Molly. We decided that Sally had to be told and bickered for a while about who was going to call her. I lost, or won, and took a deep breath and made the call. I told Sally that I had a dream. I explained that I thought it was actually a visit, and I gave her all the details. As I relayed her husband's message to her, she explained and validated each one. Molly's message to her mother was that Molly was to give her mom a rose from Glenn, which is what he did for each of the girls when he wronged them in some way. It was his unique way of apologizing and asking to be forgiven. Why would he want to give Sally a rose? 
two reasons. First, he had procrastinated buying Sally a birthday gift, planning to get it on his way home from work on the day of her birthday, February 28th. He ended up in the hospital and never got her one. Sadly, Sally always makes Easter baskets for everyone. Her kids, grandkids, my kids, everyone's kids, and Glenn. The only thing Glenn had to do was make one for Sally. Whoops, he forgot. Strike two. Glenn was in hot water again. Then, less than a week later, he was gone. Next, she told me about the big celebration about which Glenn had referred. Their 40th wedding anniversary was approaching. They were supposed to have a huge celebration. I knew nothing about this since they had only begun to plan it. The final validation put chills up my spine. Her change is in the envelope. Glenn and Sally kept their spending money separate. They always did. It just worked for them. The day Glenn died, he, Sally, their daughter, and their grandson went out to lunch. Sally paid for her lunch out of her own money, but Glenn took the bill to the register. When they got out of the car, Sally asked him for her change. He joked that she didn't have any change, another common game they played. They decided to stop uh, at Sheets to get drinks for home, and Sally went inside to get them. When she came back outside, Glenn was slumped over the steering wheel, and he was gone. Well, the very morning that I had a visit from Glenn was also the very same morning that Sally decided to go through Glenn's personal effects for the very first time. She told me that she opened the package from the funeral home to find Glenn's wallet, his pocket knife, and a Ziploc bag containing her change from that day. Coincidence? Maybe. But I tend to believe there are no such things as coincidences. Rather, a coincidence is when God wishes to remain anonymous. So why did Glenn come to me? a former family member rather than one of his biological children. He came to me because he knew that I wouldn't have the guts to pass along the messages. Nobody else would have done it. He went to Molly so that we would know it was really him. It's as simple as that. Sue, Molly, and I suspected that Sally would be upset by the information I relayed to her, but instead she was calm, relaxed, and happy. She truly believes that the messages I gave to her were from Glenn, and so do I. Having no prior knowledge of any of the events explaining the messages, I don't see any other explanation. So I've been given a gift, a gift from Glenn, a gift from Sally, and a gift from God. I now do not have to rely on faith to know that there is life after death. I experienced it through a visit, and I'll wait patiently until the day that I am reunited with all those I love, the day that I will go home. I don't think there's really anything to say against that I think that she was visited and I think Molly was visited too I think it was a demon that was trying no I'm kidding jeez no I got nothing I agree I think it's pretty self-explanatory yeah I think it's pretty straightforward and yeah I it was that was a good there was a dream that was connected to something paranormal and pretty Mm -hmm. legit I think So. so I agree. Thanks for writing in and sharing that story with us. Our number here is 855-853-4802. If you'd like to share your real ghost story with us, of course, you can also write in on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Hi, Tony and Jenny. This is Jenna from Ohio. Here's my story about my visit to the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado. My boyfriend and I decided to take a spontaneous trip to Denver, so we didn't have any set-in-stone plans, so we played it by ear. We chose to visit Estes Park, which is about two hours northwest of Denver. While en route to Estes Park, I was searching for cheap hotels to stay in, and I came across the Stanley Hotel. 
At first, I freaked in a good way because I thought it was where The Shining had been filmed. My boyfriend agreed that it would be a neat place to stay even if it were more than we wanted to pay for one night, so we decided to check in. Upon further research, we found that The Shining wasn't actually filmed there, but where Stephen King got the inspiration to write The Shining, and that was still good enough for me. I'm going to stop there for a second and correct that. Okay. Because there was a version of The Shining that was shot there. Okay, not the original Jack Nicholson? Not the original Jack Nicholson. It was the inspiration for The Shining. Um, And Stephen King did write The Shining there. Uh, But there was a remake of The Shining that came out in the 90s. Was this like a made-for-TV? It was, but it was done pretty well. It was a several-night... It was like a mini-series type. I want to say Rob Lowe was in it. I okay. could be incorrect, but I believe he was. Um, but it was good. It was actually it was really done well. Um, and that was filmed there. So there okay. is a version of The the Shining that is filmed there. As far as it being a cheap hotel, I, I, I don't want to give that impression either because it's a pretty high-end hotel. No, that's what she said. She okay. said it was more than they wanted to spend, okay, okay. but it was kind of like an opportunity that sure. they couldn't miss. I get you. It's not like the Bates. No. <laughs> or anything like that. No, she she alluded to they were looking for cheap, but then they, they couldn't not stay at the stand. Sure. When you're going through, yeah, why not? Right. You know, okay. Continuing on, we arrived at dusk and pulled into the parking lot. We proceeded to check in at the front desk where they gave us the room key to room 212. Mind you, Stephen King stayed in room 217. We were on the same floor. This was bound to be an interesting night. According to rumors, the second floor is haunted by a little boy that roams the halls at night. It's said that you can hear him playing and running through the halls. I could go into much more detail about the hotel, but would take too long. We explored the entire hotel, the most haunted rooms, the creepiest spots, etc. After exploring, we sat down at the bar in the downstairs lobby. I had a drink to try and calm my nerves. Nothing had happened as of yet, but I was on edge all night. We started chatting with another couple staying at the hotel. They told us about how they had uh, brought along their two-year-old son and two friends. They explained to us that earlier that evening, a diaper box had flown off their dresser while the four of them were sitting around talking. Following this, their two-year-old son turned to a corner, staring and pointing repeatedly, Monster! Monster! Over and over. This just about set me over the edge. I was ready to run out of the hotel this second, even though it didn't happen to me personally. We retracted to our room, or retreated to our room, and settled in for the night. I noticed the lamp to the right of my bed started flickering. This happened a few different times. I chalked it up to this being that it was a light bulb that needed replacing. Anything to make myself feel a little better. After we had gone to sleep, or in my case, tried to sleep but barely slept, I randomly woke up at 5 a.m. I heard a very faint noise It sounded like it was coming outside of my door. It sounded as if a baby or a dog were crying. This lasted about 10 minutes, and then it stopped. I eventually fell back asleep. In the morning, I told my boyfriend about what I heard. He gave me a little smile and just laughed it off. I felt more at ease in the morning, knowing it was daylight out. After we left the hotel, I was a bit bummed. More paranormal experiences hadn't happened. Yet glad at the same time. If you ever get a chance to visit Estes Park, I highly recommend visiting the Stanley Hotel, whether it's just a ghost tour or actually staying the night. It's very beautiful and creepy, all in one. 
Thanks for letting me share my story. Tony and Jenny, I'm a proud EPP and love the extra podcasts every week. Keep up the great work and take care. Thanks, Jenna. Okay. Do they actually close it down in winter or does it stay open year-round? I believe it does close down in winter because it gets ridiculously difficult to get to Estes Park in winter. So somebody does, in theory, have to stay there just like in the movie. Yes, yes. Wouldn't you be the one to want to say, that's my job? Would that be fun? (laughs) Now, I don't know if it's like 100% shut down in winter or if it's just like they keep a couple rooms open, um, but it's it's an area that shuts down. Uh, There are permanent residents there, but it's kind of like an island almost. It's like... I would compare it to Mackinac Island, okay. except they have cars here, um, where lots of, it's a very touristy little town um, when you go to the main drag of everything. But uh, once winter hits, um, most of the season, it's very difficult to get to. You can do it, um, but you know, with constant snowstorms, it's way up there in the mountains. Um, a lot of the season, it's just very, very difficult to get in and out of. So the tourist population in winter not all that super huge see i didn't know if it was in a skiing area or anything like that not to my knowledge okay and if somebody will correct me on that go ahead but i don't believe so i believe it's it's so far up in there that it's very difficult to to get into that's interesting it's a really neat little place yeah but uh, how would you how would you like that to be to live in a town like that where you're really stuck you know, for most practical purposes, for several months of the year. I mean, nobody's starving to death or anything. You, you stock up, you got your stuff. You have a community that does actively, there's a grocery store. You could still go to the store uh-huh. locally. You're just not going to get out of town. I think in some ways I would like it, but I think I would get bored with it very quickly. Yeah. I'd like the simplicity of... You know, <laughs> being being isolated, being mm-hmm. away, just spending time reading or doing whatever and not in the hubbub of everyday life. But I think after a couple of weeks, I'd be like, OK, this is awful. Yeah, I, I would feel, I think, a little too isolated. Yeah, it would be fun for a little while. And that's about it. See, I, I want to be a warm weather chaser, you know, yeah. I mean, that- south in the winter and north in the summer. That's kind of how I felt up by uh, when I lived in the Petoskey, Traverse City area. Granted, it's a lot easier to travel to and from there. Mm -hmm. But still, I mean, daily lake effect snow of several inches. You do start to feel a bit isolated because travel is just prohibitive. Can it be done if you need to? Sure. But do you want to risk it every day? You know, you just kind of feel... You know, in summer, it's beautiful. You come and you go. It's touristy. And the touristy thing does get old. Yeah. It's, it's kind of neat at first because you have a lot to do right in your backyard. Um, but then after a while, your backyard just kind of becomes your backyard. And, you know, it's like, oh, okay, it's it's here, you know, and the, the novelty essentially wears out. See, I like being a tourist and traveling, but I do not like going to touristy areas. I still, when I go to Colorado, I try and go to the areas where people don't go all the time. Or I like to ask the locals, what do do you like to do? Or where do you want to go? Like when we were in Savannah, Savannah's beautiful. The river area I had no use for just because it was so touristy. I had more fun in the older part of the city walking around. 
Um, you know, and that's just kind of how I am everywhere. It really was a completely dip- different atmosphere by the river. That was like T-shirt shop central. Here's fudge. caramel corn and fudge. Yeah. yeah. And you know uh, you're in the tourist area when you start to see the fudge stands. And everyone's trying to get you to take a, a tour. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, hey, what are you doing? Where are you from? And it was like, stop, leave me alone. You want free tickets to something to look at a timeshare? Yeah. But the rest of the city was really nice. It was it just was. that riverfront that was kind of like, okay, this is a uh, tourist. Yeah. yeah. But the rest of the, the downtown and the other parts really, I was surprised. I was honestly expecting more of the tourist vibe mm-hmm. throughout the entire city area, uh, the like the downtown area. But it really was just relegated to that one stretch. Yeah, it really was. Our innkeeper that where we stayed did a really good job of pointing out some of the local places to go. Mm-hmm. And then we found out the next day, because there's a picture of him on the wall, and we what? went and asked about him the next day. And like, oh, that's my husband. He died eight years ago. BS. Like, he gave us the map. Not true. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just Brian, William- Brian Williamsing our trip. <laughs> Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Mary writes in, hey, guys, I just discovered the show a few weeks ago, and I'm hooked. I wanted to tell my stories because I grew up in a house built in 1994 that that was lived in by other families before us and had weird things happen. But I figured it was so new that it was just not possible for it to be haunted. Its address was 112 Ocean Avenue in Amityville, New York. I'm kidding. I added that part in. But now your show is me considering that it's possible. Either that I have a strange stalker. Uh, So one night, a few years ago, my older sister and I were talking about the weird things that would happen to us in the house. And during this conversation, we figured out something so spooky. When I was in the eighth grade, she was in high school. My room was upstairs on the first floor in the front of the house. Hers was in the basement in the back of the house. We have a walkout basement, so the window to her room, or in her room, went to the back patio, and mine went to the front yard, both covered by thick shades. Anyway, she told me how one night around 11 or midnight she was in her room and her computer uh, listening to music when she heard a tapping on her window. My parents and I were upstairs in our beds. She didn't want to wake anyone up, but she turned her music down and listened. The tapping happened on and off for a few minutes, then it stopped. She called the boy she was dating at the time to see if it was him, because when either of us had friends over, we always had them come around to the back door, but it wasn't him, and she hadn't invited anyone over. She told my parents the next day, and they said it must have been an animal outside the window. But no one told me because they didn't want to freak me out. So when she told me this, I realized that around that same time, I'm guessing the same night, I had the same thing happen at my window. I was lying in bed with the TV on, trying to doze off. The TV wasn't very loud. I just liked having a little background noise. At the time, I was grounded, but I didn't get my cell phone taken away. I'm lying there, and I hear tapping on my window. It wasn't loud at all. I really thought it might have been a friend in the neighborhood who knew that I was grounded, so they tapped softly so that my parents wouldn't wake up. But it still creeped me out, and I didn't get up to go look behind the shade. I waited to get a call from someone, saying they were outside to come visit for a bit. But I never got a call. I laid there, and it went on for a few minutes in little spurts, and then just stopped. After a while, 20 or 30 minutes, I got brave and decided to peek... But of course, no one was there after that long tapping. That week, I asked some friends if they came to my house that night, but no one knew 
what I was talking about and thought that it was even weirder that if a friend was going to knock on my window that they wouldn't call and tell me they were there. And my sister and I did not hang out with the same people, so it's not like either of our friends would have knocked on both of our windows. After sharing window-tapping stories, neither of us have any idea what it might have been. Then a few years later, my sister wasn't living at home anymore, and it was the summer after my freshman year of college, so I went back at home with my parents. Slept in my sister's room because it was dark and quiet and had a big bed. It always creeped me out a little, and there was a week where the strange noise kept me up at night, but we figured out it was the floor heater in my parents' bathroom directly above me. Phew. I'd still listen to music while falling asleep because I didn't like hearing those weird creaks, but one night, around two or three in the morning, I was trying to fall asleep, listening to soft music on a low volume. Loud footsteps enter the utility room from the garage. We locked every door to the outside except for the door between the garage and the utility room because you need a code to open the big garage door. So these heavy footsteps go from the utility room into the kitchen to the top of the stairs. From the basement, you can hear every step a person takes upstairs if they're wearing shoes, especially on the steps leading to the basement. So I was laying there with my phone in my hand, ready to call 911, waiting for them to enter, go down the hall to my parents' room, or to come down the stairs to me. Nothing else ever happened. I honestly considered that maybe they slipped those big boots off and tiptoed down the steps and would suddenly burst into the room, but instead they just vanished into thin air. I told my parents the next day and they didn't hear a thing. Even our two terriers didn't wake up. Or if they did, they did, they did not react. But I know the noises this house makes and those were the steps of a human being in heavy boots, like steel toe boots. It couldn't have been my parents' floor heater because, number one, wrong side of the house, and number two, footsteps. And I was not even close to falling asleep yet. I was lying there with music and playing on my phone. The last thing I'll tell you, I just don't even really get. I was sleeping in that room and had this crazy dream. And at the end of the dream, I would wake up in the same room. Grab my phone to check the time. The screen would turn on and I'd hear something moving in the room and realize I wasn't alone. Then I'd bolt out of there and wake up again in the dream in the same room and check my phone, and it would all happen over and over a few more times. Then I finally really woke up. My phone screen turned on, and I knew I was awake in real life. I laid there thinking about how scary it was and thinking about what was in the room in my dreams because it was always dark, and I could never see it, but it was scary and would throw things and move around. Then I started to get that gross feeling again, like something was in the room, but in real life. I lay a few more seconds trying to tell myself that it's just in my head from having that dream, and then all of a sudden, I heard a voice. It was just a few seconds long, not a growl or anything, but it was a deep noise, kind of like a burp, but not air coming out like a normal burp. It was a loud, deep voice burp. I heard that and ran the hell out. Ever since then, I avoid that room completely, and I have considered that maybe it was me still dreaming, but I remember waking up and being so glad I was awake and that my screen turned on and just checked that definitely was 100% awake. My heart was pounding. I know I wasn't dreaming at all when I heard it. I have a few more weird stories like that, and for all I know, I could just have a weird window. Tapping, boot-wearing, voice-burping stalker. I genuinely have no idea 
what any of it really was, but thanks for listening. It's a great show. I'm assuming the night that they both heard the tapping that they rolled out anything hitting the window. Yeah. Like wind. So if that assumption is correct that they don't have that going on, I'm not real sure what would be tapping on both of their windows. But I wouldn't be answering it. I wonder if the daughters are sensitive and the parents are not as far as hearing and experiencing these things. I could see that. What's interesting is the dogs aren't. Yeah. Because it almost, almost in all cases, the animals seem to be more sensitive to things than, than the non-sensitive person. And they're picking up on things when the sensitive person is. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Very interesting. It is. Unless they're sensitive and it was honing its direction in one place and other places were not hearing it. I don't know. Or it was choosing to have the dogs not, yeah. not hear. I don't know if... You know how... You can have a, an entity that will try and direct one person to hear something, but not the other. I don't know if they do that with animals, too. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the uh, for the letter. Our number is 855-853-4802. If you want more ghost stories, hey, become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. You'll love it. You get 25 bonus episodes right off the bat. Uh, and you get access to our new episodes every single week. They come out for you. We send the emails out on Saturday. And uh, you will get a great new creepy episode to uh, to fill your weekend with. If you will sign up on the website, five bucks a month, and that uh, five bucks goes to keep our show on the air. Uh, RealGhostStoriesOnline.com is where you do just that. Let's go to a caller. Hi. Yeah, this took place uh, all on the South Texas side over here by Uvalde and Hondo. I forgot the name of the highway, um, but I remember we were in San Antonio. Me and a couple of friends, we went to go to Six Flags. So it was at night. It was already like around one or two in the morning. Can't really remember. But we were going back home, and we were on the highway going from Hondo, Texas, to Uvalde, Texas. And I remember we were just driving. We were just talking, me and my friends. And I remember, well, we, we stopped because my friend, the one that was driving, his name is George. He decided to just pass on the car to one of my other friends that was in the backseat with me. And uh, so the people that were in the front, which is my friend George and his girlfriend at the time, Sasha, they decided to go into the back seat because they needed to go fall asleep. So me and my friend, his, my friend, his name is uh, Ducky, a.k.a. David, or David, a.k.a. Ducky, it don't matter. Anyways, so we're going from Hondo to Valde once the car was passed around. So me and my friend were just talking, and all of a sudden, we see somebody in the highway crossing from one side of the highway to the other, but... It was weird because when when we were almost gonna get close to him, like if we were gonna hit him with the car, we're going about seventy miles per hour. We see his eyes glow, like if you would glow, if you would put a flashlight on a dog or a deer, their eyes their eyes glowed, and you just see him ran across the highway. But the thing was that once he crossed the highway, we kind of stopped because we were that close to hitting him. We turned we turned to look of the direction that he was running to, we didn't see him anymore. So, I mean, that kind of cre- that kind of creeped us out. And uh, later on, we started finding out stories and, and uh, well, yeah, stories about, about that area. And there was, they were saying that there was a family back, uh, back in the day, I don't know how many years ago, that there was a family in a van that was gonna go fishing in, in a river near Valde. 
or a part new Valde. And well, what happened was that they didn't make it. They ended up turning over and the whole family died. And then at night you could see a little girl or you could see the family at, at times uh, appearing at night. Well, at this case, we didn't see no family, we didn't see no girl, but we saw a person running across the highway. And uh, it was weird because he just disappeared after he crossed us. And like I said, we looked at his direction and we just didn't see him anymore. So that kind of creeped us out. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm from the Eagle Pass area, Eagle Pass, Texas. And I mean, uh, it, there's been stories out here. There's also a house over here by, by uh, Eagle Pass. Uh, can't remember the name of that. Well, I don't know what they call the house. They just call it the White Mansion. And it's on, I believe, Concho or Comal. It's on, it's on a curve. And they said that that house is haunted as well. That at night, at 3 in the morning, without fail, they say that there's a little girl that you can see her silhouette on the window. I've never seen it, but I've heard stories. But if you pass by that house at night, it looks creepy. I mean, that house is like one of the houses that was built back when my time was built, like in Eagle Pass. Uh, Eagle Pass was built like back in the 1800s. And back then there was no Hispanics, there was no uh, black people. There was just a lot of, um, oh, what's it called? The Caucasian people out here. And uh, the, I mean, it was about in the Western times and you could see the house and you could tell that it was from one of those Western times. And it's a two story house, it looks like a mansion. I'm pretty sure the people that used to live there were wealthy. But, I mean, as time went by, I don't know the history of the house, but I know that people, I guess, ended up dying, especially that little girl, because people say that they seen a little girl when they passed by. And also that that house, they have a... Uh, they've had a history of people moving in, and they don't even last about three months. They ended up they end up leaving even, probably even before the three months. They say that uh, they hear voices, they hear footsteps, they hear a little girl running around, they hear a father uh, slamming the doors. I mean, there's just so much um, paranormal activity in that house. Um, I have yet to investigate it because uh, me and my friends, we like to go into places like that, but that house, nobody wants to touch that house because of the same reason, because they say it's full of paranormal activity and a lot of people are skeptical about getting into that house. Uh, that's a, that's a site that a lot of people need to go and check out. Uh, House on Comal Street. So another highway person, I guess, <laughs> that crosses the highway. Yeah. But the glowing eyes—that's. Well, the glowing yeah. eyes are kind of. At night, it's really hard to decipher if the eyes are glowing or if your lights are hitting the person's eyes. You know. You know what I'm saying. People's eyes don't reflect like that, do they? Yeah, any eyes do. I thought that was just certain animal eyes. No, I mean a person would. They, it would be reflective somewhat, you know. And if you're going down the highway and you see someone, it would it would somewhat reflect. Um, what would be creepy is if you're driving and there's no light at that thing, and you're off to your side and you see glowing eyes. Okay. Now that's different. Okay. It's one thing when you got headlights going into something. It's something else when you have the. Uh, off to the side of the road and oh look there's a luminous yeah and there's no lights shooting in that direction yeah and I'm thinking like the Ghostbusters right yeah I'm thinking about that too yeah now that would have me going but I, I think there is something going on there certainly yeah did he say anyone's still in that that house 
No, he said people don't stay. That like three months or less. Wow, interesting. I wonder if that's like on the the listing. Can you survive more than? There's a show. <laughs> Can you survive more than three months? And you put somebody in a really haunted house, and if they do, they win something. The house. Oh, I don't know. You gotta you gotta keep doing a new season to next season to next season to next season. Oh come on! There's plenty of haunted houses. It's kind of like um, what was that uh, that one horror movie that was everybody was into for so many years where they put him into like a horror situation there was a little puppet master type thing that was like the the overseer of the games and if you survived you won is that saw saw okay yeah it's kind of like that except with like demonic activity yeah so that could be interesting Put cameras all around. It'd be great. Watch people get possessed. No liability there at all. Not at all. No, not at all. Uh, 855-853-4802. That's our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. Let's go to uh, Brooke in Arkansas. Hi. Hello. My name is Brooke. I'm calling from Batesville, Arkansas. I have a story here. Uh, this story took place in 1994. And, um, one night when my, when I was being physically abused by my stepfather, I went to my room and, uh, was basically putting myself in bed early that night. And I was so upset, so distraught over what has been going on with the fighting and stuff. Um, I, uh, noticed something by my closet, and I could not seem to understand what gave me the urge to go look over there with the feeling of fear and dread, but I couldn't understand what was scared the most, my stepdad or what I saw, but I have seen three black figures with red eyes literally staring at me through my closet and I for one was secretly trying to reach out to be a Christian person against my parents will and all I did was close my eyes have the blanket over my head and I started praying and the sense of fear did not really go away, but I prayed and prayed and prayed to myself to sleep. And quite a few times in my life, I've been having some night terrors, of something demonic and things like that. And I'm kind of wondering if it has anything to do with the abuse I was going through. And as I got older into my adulthood, I've experienced a lot of ghostly activity and things like that. And I called in a few times, gave a few stories. One of them about the story with, with about my about my daughter that took place in in Missouri Hotel in Springfield, Missouri, and another few stories as well. So. um all my life that as far as I can remember I've been experiencing quite a bit of ghostly activity and uh, it's kind of on and off 
over the years. It's not constant. Um, but um, I'm kind of wondering if I am a sensitive because, you know, I've, I've always been told that I've been real sensitive, very open. And I try not to think of it that way. But um, anybody else I've been around, family and boyfriends, ex-husband, they were all skeptics. So I'm like, why me? How come I'm the one that's noticing things? Even my two, my nine-year-old daughter, when she was two years old, she experienced the angel type of activity <clears throat> that got her into safety. You get in bed with me before those totes fell over onto her cot. So, you know, honestly, I don't know. I guess my daughter inherited something from me. But I, for one, do not know if I am true truly sensitive or not, but that is one of my many stories, and I appreciate you guys um, airing my story about a ghost saved my daughter's life, and that there is the story that really tops it out with my memory, but um, this is another one that just popped out that figure, just call and give it to you guys. Y'all have a good day. Bye. I don't know if you're sensitive. What I'm thinking is if you think back on the times where the activity has spiked around you, because you said it's not all the time, it's just every now and then. If it had, if it happens around when something negative's going on, like you said, when you were experiencing abuse by your stepfather, things were going on. It sounds like from your previous story that, you know, I believe you were in a shelter when the boxes or the crates almost fell on your daughter. And I would imagine that that was probably not a real happy time for you. So I'm wondering if maybe it's coming and going based on how things are going and how you're feeling. I would go with that. Okay. I agree because it it does seem to manifest itself when things are not peachy keen. Mm -hmm. Not even keen. You know, when things are are just not good. Yeah. And, and that does make sense. It seems that, that dark things seem to be attracted to uh, emotions that are not good, you know, and, and that seems to feed off of people who are in, in dark places and not going through good things. Unfortunately, then it kind of becomes a cycle when that happens. Right. But uh, it, it seems to make sense more so along that path mm-hmm. than necessarily sensitive to like everything at all times right because i would if if it was happening all the time yeah then i would think more sensitive i just think this is more an attraction based on negative emotion i agree 855-853-4802 is our number please press subscribe if you have not done so already on whatever platform it is you listen to us on jessica in salt lake city hi this is jessica in salt lake city so i was listening to a little story um about a boy seeing a girl in his room. So it just reminded me of a time that my husband had just left me in the bedroom with my son feeding him. And he's walking down the hall, looks into the living room, and I have a rocking chair that's white. And he says that he saw me there, sitting there, looking straight at him. It confused him. He 
he didn't know how I could have got to deliver him to the bedroom so fast because the hallway is the only way. So he he yells out saying, honey, are you still in the bedroom? And I remember going, why is he asking me that? So I said, yes, I'm still in there. Never moved. And he looks down the hall, then looks back, and she's gone. And I was, he says I was wearing the exact same clothes, and he was, I was just looking at him. And it freaked him out. <laughs> and I, I asked him just last night uh, about that the incident, and he said, yeah, that's the one thing that creeped me out the more. And i to remember a lot of things. And he, he used to not be a believer in ghosts at all. He would hear me tell, listen to my little stories that I told him that's going on, but never believed him. Well, that's why I want to let you know. <laughs> Love the show. I'm definitely going to become an EPD. Talk to you later. Thanks for calling in and sharing your story with us here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Doppelganger. It really does sound what it's like, isn't it? You know, I think they scare me as far as hierarchy of what scares me. <laughs> I think doppelganger's towards the top because you just don't know if it's your loved one or your friend or whoever you think it is or if it's not. Yeah. You know, everything else you can pretty quickly tell, okay, this is a ghost, you know. It's, I don't know. That That's like the ultimate trickery. I agree. I think I would be more creeped out by having that happen than just seeing like a physical entity or something manifest in our house. Yeah. If I was like suddenly walking around and I saw like you or one of the girls, um, you know, just like walking through the living room, it's just normal because a lot of times they're fairly harmless. They're just kind of doing something normal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like say I saw like you know, one of the girls go out back to play. Okay, like, hey, see you later. And then uh, I go downstairs and they're in their room. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, would you break through your window? No, I've been down here the whole time. I mean, even a full-bodied apparition where you, you think it's a live person, yeah. but then they're gone. I think that's even less threatening in my mind than honestly thinking it's the person you know and trust. Yeah, I agree. Uh, just yeah, there's something about that. Eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two is her number. Michael. Hey Tony and Jenny, this is Michael from Jonesboro, Arkansas, and I'm speaking behalf of my wife Ashley. Now the story goes that she was living in her parents' trailer with her five-year-old brother Michael, and she was she's 14 years older than he is. All the time, Michael had an imaginary friend. His name was Lisa, and one day that they, one day they were in the trailer and they were playing. Uh, Michael was playing with a bouncy ball that like you can get from Walmart or one of the other retail stores. He rolled it down the hallway and Ashley swears that the ball rolled back. Ashley got so freaked out that she called her parents immediately while she was babysitting him and told her mother that she needed to come home from work right away. Soon after she got home, Michael proceeded to tell Ashley that his new friend Lisa did not like Ashley and wanted her to go away. Anyway, I, I know the story is very short, but the story is very short. Anyway, thanks for your time, and you guys have a great day. Thanks. That's pretty creepy when the ball comes right back to you. 
And imaginary friends that don't like people, that's scary. I mean, I I think if a kid was making up an imaginary friend, it probably wouldn't be like, well, they don't like you. But when there's something more going on and the imaginary friend has a mind of its own, that's what's scary. That's when it's a true imaginary friend <laughs> with a life of its own. Thanks for uh, thanks for the call and sharing that with us. 855-853-4802 is our number to share your real ghost stories with us. Uh, Andreas writes in, Hi guys, not sure if the story counts as a ghost story, but you be the judge. Around 2001, my grandmother had a stroke and had to stay in the hospital. This was in the south of the Philippines, where I'm from. It's probably the closest person to my grandmother. Grew up not knowing my father, and my grandmother felt that she had to compensate for what I was missing. So she sort of spoiled me. When my grandmother fell ill, I felt that it was my duty to make sure she is taken care of during her illness. I was on my third year in university, but I stopped going to classes halfway through the semester so I could be with my grandmother every day. In most of the hospitals in the Philippines, you need your relatives or friends to take turns watching over you uh, and or buy the medicines the doctors prescribe for you. A few days after the stroke, she fell into a coma. The doctors advised us that she did not have a lot of time left, so we called the rest of the family from all over the country to come home and say their goodbyes. All throughout this ordeal, I was with my grandmother, holding her hands, talking to her. There were times when, even in coma, she'd lift her hand and whisper things like, Oh, you're here to pick me up. And yes, I'm coming too. Nice to see you again. Soon enough, my aunts arrived and one particular dramatic aunt started making a scene at the hospital. This aunt wailed and rolled on the floor upon seeing my grandmother. It was a bit over the top to see a heavy 50-year-old woman on the floor acting like a kid throwing a tantrum. My aunt kept screaming, Don't leave us! Don't leave us! After the scene, my aunt would sometimes sit beside my grandmother and say things like, Ma, don't leave us! We want you to be around! Okay, I was going to say this. If if any of our kids ever do that to us, I'm kicking them out. You are? <laughs> like, no, like, come on. Let's, you know, we knew this was coming at some point. Let's be a grown-up here. Yeah. I don't think they would do that, but... No, that's that's just unsettling. I get really annoyed with people who feel a need to be overly dramatic like that. I, I mean, you can certainly be upset, and, yeah. and, and I would expect that, but... When it gets to that point, it's like, okay, someone's trying to get the attention onto them and off the person who's dying. Yeah. And I'm sorry, when the person who's dying, they get the attention. They get all of it. And there's no, well, maybe later we'll get, no, dead person. They get it. No matter what, they get last couple days here, whatever they want goes. Yeah. (laughs) That's how it works. I agree. So there's going to be disco balls in my room. Just wait. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's going to be like a, a multi-day festival when you die. I'm going to have a petting zoo. I'm going to have disco balls. Between what you are wanting before and then after. Cirque du Soleil going to be there. They're going to be doing stuff from like, you know, the, the curtains that pull around a, uh, a patient in the hospital. Oh, they're going to be hanging from They're going to be doing the flips and stuff. Right. <laughs> Aerial acrobatics Just, from the hospital curtain. Yes. It's going to be something they will talk about for many years to come. You're not even that big of a fan of Cirque du Soleil. I know, but I just want to see if they'll do it. Wow. <laughs> be great. Continuing on, we didn't think anything about what my aunt was saying until after what happened next. When everybody else arrived to be with my grandmother, I was told to take some rest myself and go home. I took their advice, forced myself to let go of my grandmother for a bit. On my first night away from my grandmother, I had a dream in it. 
I was in a foggy place, all white, just like in the movies, sitting on a white bench, was my grandmother, dressed in her white church clothes. It was a very emotional scene for me, and it still makes me emotional each time I recall it. She took my hand as I got closer to her and told me, I'm tired, I need to go. Please tell them to let me go. I woke up crying. I woke my mother up and told her what happened. As soon as the sun was up, my mother went to gather her siblings, and uh, they told off my aunt. (laughs) (laughs) Bravo. They told her to tell my grandmother that it was okay for her to go, which my aunt did. My grandmother died a few hours later. I was not there when she died, but I always feel comforted knowing that even to the last day of her life, she felt she could trust me. I'm glad that it had as happy of an ending as it could, considering the situation. Oh, there's another line here. My aunt was found behind a dumpster. It was. Nope, that was not on there. (laughs) Nope. Nope. (laughs) You see, it's sad because someone like that, likely no one's showing up for. Yeah. When they're in that situation, because (laughs) throughout life, they demonstrated themselves to be such a winning individual. But, uh, yeah, you know, that's secretly what they want is they want that type of behavior when they're in the hospital bed. Unfortunately, no one shows up and they just end up with like the hospital cat, the hospital cat (laughs) showing up and licking their toes. (laughs) And that's the end. Hospitals don't have cats. (laughs) No, nursing homes do sometimes. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, at least they did in the 80s. That's the last time I really spent any good deal of time in a nursing home. It was fun. My uh, my grandma Jika lived in one for several years. At least I, in my mind, it was several years. I had no real you know, sense of time when you're you know, five. Uh-huh. But uh, it seemed like she was there for quite a while. And there'd like be pets that would... Maybe they were like brought in. I don't know if they were like permanent pets. I would think there'd be people with allergies that that couldn't be a permanent You know, thing. today there probably is a lot of restrictions to that. But it was really good for the people. I mean, at least I would think today they'd bring them in. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just great for, you know, emotions and happiness. And well, sure. I would think having a permanent pet would be wonderful. But yeah, there's probably restrictions on that. So anyway, interesting story. Thanks for uh, for uh, writing in and uh, giving us that one. Let's do one more call before we wrap up the show for today. Uh, Lauren or Rebecca? I don't know. Let's go to Lauren. Uh, They're both in Ohio. I in can't Ohio, remember which yes. one. <laughs> Lauren in Ohio. Hi. Hi, Tony. Hi, Jenny. It's Lauren from Ohio again. Um, I just wanted to call and ask a question this time. I... Live in the house with the cemetery in the backyard. The house is from 1923, and I've seen the apparition of a man in my house. But recently, I've run into a different problem. My boyfriend, who is a strong non-believer, had a dream of a contorted woman in a hospital bed who had two voices, a demonic voice and a normal voice, and was talking to him. And he actually was pretty freaked out about it. And two days later, I had a dream of a horned figure that came to me and was brutally hurting people around me. So I'm not sure how I feel about sage or anything along those lines. I was just wondering if I could get some advice from somebody and maybe let what I can do, I don't think simply asking it to go away is working at this point. It's now coming to us in our dreams, and I'm hoping it's not anything demonic. I'm not sure. But if you could, any suggestions will help. Thank you. Have a good day, guys. 
Uh, well, I'll open this one up to our friends on the uh, the message board in the forum, and uh, we can get some insight there as well. Uh, personally, suggestions. Um, it does sound rather dark, um, and you're probably asking it to, uh, you know, just uh, f off is probably not going to be the uh, the applicable route to take here. Um, I would, and this is just me, maybe uh, talk to someone within your religious community about this and get some advice there as far as uh, a path to take, because it does sound something along those realms. Okay, and I hate to say this, but I'm wondering if this is an isolated incident or if this is an ongoing pattern, and I think it may be too early to tell that. If this is like a one-time thing and then it stops for each of you, that's one thing. But if it keeps going, I would agree with Tony and and talk to somebody. I, you know, I'm probably going to make a lot of people mad saying this, but I would try praying before you go to bed because that might ease some of the tension to help you fall asleep. And, you know, it may actually you know, if you pray for protection, that may actually help. I don't know. I don't tend to go that route very often, but that's my only thing to try here. Let me ask you this. Did this start happening after you watched the Madonna performance at the Grammys the other night? (laughs) Remember that one? Yes. All the horned beast type things going around there. That was a nightmare in itself. (laughs) Yes, it was. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I like Jenny's suggestion. Um, I, I would go down that route, and if anyone would like to uh, open up a uh, suggestion thing on the uh, the forum on our message board on the website at Real Ghost Stories Online, that would be good. Or if you want to start one yourself, uh, asking the question there too, um, you can get some interesting insight from uh, from lots of folks there uh, as well. Uh, let's just do our other caller here. Uh, let's do uh, Rebecca in Ohio before we wrap up our show for today. Hi. Hi, Tony and Jenny. This is Rebecca from Ohio. I was listening to your podcast about the toys today uh, in your discussions, and it reminded me of an experience that I had about oh, about a year ago, I think. Um, I was in my house, and I was doing some laundry, and I was in the upstairs hallway, and I thought I heard children talking. So I stopped for a second and listened and didn't hear anything, so I started to go on about my business again, and I heard it again. And I realized that it was coming from inside my son's bedroom. So I, you know, open the door and peek my head in, and I don't see anything, and I don't hear anything. And So I turn around, and I'm about to leave the room again when I hear something go, what it sounds like, bye-bye. So, okay, what is this? I have no idea. So I, I'm going around and, and looking for this voice. I can't find anything. Finally, I hear it again. It's coming from underneath my son's covers. And it turns out to be this bear that um, his father had gotten him when he was just a tiny, tiny baby. And the thing is falling apart, and it looks more like a zombie than a bear. And the batteries or something are dying. And when it used to say, bye-bye, sounds more like die-die. So, needless to say, it was probably just a a case of batteries dying, but it was creepy nonetheless. 
<laughs> okay. Um, love the podcast. Thanks so much. Bye. I think the toy is cursed and it's probably going to eat you in your sleep. I just don't like talking toys for that reason. I saw one the other day on some uh, like consumer thing. Somebody sent us it because of the remember the the Elmo thing the other day we were uh-huh. talking about. Um, and uh, there was like an Elmo, I guess, that you could plug into a computer, and it kind of was Furby-ish. Okay. As far as it would like learn names and things of that nature, it's one of the many incarnations of computerized Elmos over the years. And uh, there's this family. It's like. It's telling my child to die. <laughs> <laughs> and that's really kind of how it went. And of course, you know, local Fox 5 on your side. And, you know, is investigating this because there's no nothing else going on in the world other than a computer malfunction with a talking red furry doll. We must devote five minutes of our newscast to this. Uh-huh. So the on your side team of, uh, of John Jonathan. Uh, was in there and uh, investigating and uh, they hooked it up and then the Elmo was like you could tell it was really I'm sure it wasn't saying die and if it was it was probably saying like a name like a Diana or someone who would have had it as a nickname or something and somehow it just misconstrued whatever was being told to it Okay. so it was saying like die Cody that sounds a lot like hi Cody yeah, I mean, it could have either been that, too. It could have just been, you don't understand what the hell these things say half the time, and maybe it was something of that nature. But it's like, is the animal possessed, or did something go wrong at the factory? Is someone trying to encourage children to kill themselves? That's where they went with it? Fox on your side. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, and then, and then it you know, cuts back to the family member. We're not allowing little Jimmy to play with Elmo anymore because we don't want him to get those ideas in his head. Because I'm sure living in a home with someone like that as a parent, I'm sure that child is getting tons of great ideas in their head. See, that's why I don't watch the news. I'm not burying my head in the sand. It's crap like that that nobody needs. Yep. There you go. So, anywho. Oh, and speaking of toys, guess what? Betsy Wetsy was a wedding doll. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm not surprised. Are you? Uh, <laughs> I just felt horrible about that yesterday. So I know, I know, I I, I kind of remember that. I think like in Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah, it's like Betsy Wetsy, the doll that wets itself. Um, we uh, I, I just want to share this before we wrap up the show for today. Speaking of uh, of dolls, I am uh, very proud of our our two year old because uh, we were cleaning out the toy box downstairs yesterday and we found our, our Raggedy Ann doll. And then when Jen was in the other room, I taught her to call it Annabelle. <laughs> so she's walking around. Mommy, look, Annabelle says hi. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is my life. <laughs> if you like the show, please support it. Become an EPP on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Five bucks a month that keeps our show on the air. Without uh, your support, we could not continue onward. So uh, consider doing that. You get 25 bonus episodes instantly and a brand new bonus episode every single week. I, myself, Jenny, two little girls, and Annabelle in the box in the basement. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Until next time, for Jenny Brewski, I'm Tony Brewski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. Online.